classic filmmaker in a way, in, in, in a sense that we are looking at digital technology, digital platforms, and just watching it here, you can tell the decisions that you're making are deeply considered. Your motives are there. We're dying to see them. I love the fact that we open with the director camera with uh, Alec Baldwin. Oh, we open with one of, one of the greatest shots in the history. You're right. Go on with the moon. That crane shot from, uh, which is a great shot. Tell us why the choice of that to open. Well, the story. America, so this is me very quick. I've always felt that the reason why America has been the dominant, taking what you want country is not because we have more nuclear arms than anybody else. It was because of culture. A nuclear bomb does not make a kid in China do graffiti or spin on his head. Culture does that. The export of American culture, the blues. Rock and roll was not invented by Jerry Lewis or Elvis Presley. Jazz, hip-hop, Coca-Cola, Nike, Apple, Levi's. That is American culture, and that, and that influences how people think. And, you, and the biggest thing is television mm. and, and, and cinema. Mm. So in fifth grade, as a class trip, we had to go see Gone with the Wind. They reissued the film, and it was mixed. School was diverse, but as me and my fellow African American, we were in fifth grade. We hated that movie, <laughs> and rightfully so because of the imagery of uh, us in that film. Butterfly McQueen, Hannah McDaniel, which who won Academy Award Best Supporting Actor, Actress, but wasn't even allowed. She was invited to the ceremony. Mm. And again, later on I learned that she said, I mean, she said, I had to work. She had a famous mm. uh, quote, better play made than being made. Mm. And then the other film is Birth of a Nation. My first year in NYU graduate film school, Ang Lee was a class of mine, we were the same class, the Lees. We had to watch, <laughs> now that's my man. <laughs> you know Clive. So you just worked them. Uh, we were the first film they showed you was Birth of a Nation. How Dido Griffin is a father of cinema. Came up with a lot of film grammar, all this stuff. And but they left out. It was never discussed that this film brought or brought about the. It uh, rejuvenated the Klan. At the time, the Klan was dead. And because this film brought new life, rebirth to the Klan, black people got murdered because of this film directly. But that was never ever discussed. It was always about these film innovations that uh, DJ McLifflin came up with. So this film was a way to the, the maybe turn around a different look at these two films, which are considered two of the greatest American films ever made. Mm. And for example, I think that we can have discussions about great pieces of work or art, and you might not like the, the person. My one of my favorite documentaries is Lenny Reifenstahl's uh, Triumph of the Will. Now, to agree, she said they, you know, Nazis and Goebbels, you know, Goebbels made them made her do that, but I don't know. But if you go to the first Star Wars, the end, all that is 
George Lucas took that directly from everybody's line, all that stuff, and the geometry and the symmetry. That came directly from Triumph the Will. So there's been cases where one can talk about art, separate. Here's a question, though, for everybody. Can you separate? There's an individual question. Can you separate the art from the artist? Who says you can? Hand up. Way back, you don't have to. <laughs> For example, one of my favorite films was Last Tango. Bernardo Bertolucci, Brando, and then a couple of years ago, I was reading something about Maria Schreiner, who is. You know, the, the woman, and you're like, it, the stuff they were doing, I'm like, I'm having a second thought about, you mm -hmm. know, so it's an individual question. I mean, there's many people we all know in the news, and it's individual, again, can, can that, can you make that separation between the art mm -hmm. and the artists? Can you? But, it, but it's hard. But in class, we were never told about the artists. The artists mm. and the and, and the social and political implications of that film mm. and is a fact that that film Birth of Nation led to black people being lynched, murdered, and castrated, hung, all and burnt. Mm. And that is the reason why with the thing with the great hair of Elefante, that that that's tale telling. That's a real story. It happened 1915 to 16 in Waco, Texas. The character Mr. Belafonte plays, his name is Jesse Jerome Turner, and it's his friend. Jesse Washington, who he's given his eyewitness account, he saw the lynching, castration, dismembering of his friend. Mm. And what uh, it was ironic, because I didn't I, I knew in school they taught us what are things, NYU, I finished 82, that's a long fucking time ago. <laughs> so I forgot until I read the article about A.L. Scott, the film critic, New York Times, that cross-cutting. People were gripping even that shit. And we use that in the scene going back and forth between the retelling of the lynching with Harry Belafonte and cutting back and forth with the, the, the clan initiation and then, then watching. And I found out later, I didn't even know when I did it, that in clan, in clan initiations, they watched Birth of a Nation. But we, we had to eat popcorn, you know, the Saturday matinee, yelling at the screen and stuff like that. I don't know if they did that. Did, did you know it said a cross cut <laughs> I don't know about that. But what we did know. <laughs> but I think it's interesting, Spike, because what we did know about lynchings was that people did take picnics and, and it was a family day. Oh, so there was something about that. We're scene, done by a, a real life photographer. His name is Gildersleeve. You saw us, you know, back then they, the photographer signed her name on a negative. Those were blown up photographs of the actual murder, lynching, castration, dismembering of, of uh, Jesse Washington. Can I, so I'm going to go jump to a question that someone's tweeted into us, but going back to the, the legacy that you've left in cinema, so you have created over your career a series too of... Too early, too early. No, it's not too early, it's not. Too I think early. there are certain right, things... Right, <laughs> that have become the things that we look to. So the, the dolly shot, the director camera address, the portraits, there are things that you have. We have someone in the audience who was on the dolly. Who was on the dolly? At the beginning of Inside Man. You gotta stand up, Mr. Clive Owens. Clive, come on. Uh, 
Please. Please. Yeah. He rode the dolly. <laughs> I'm going to get, there's a question from UK Jones. He says, your use of a variety of dolly, of double dolly shots is well documented. How do you choose when to utilise it? And how would you describe the effect you are seeking in the script? Well, I didn't, I didn't invent this shot. This was done before about me and my signature. And the first time we did it, my DP, Ernest Dickinson, who also was a classmate with Angley and I at NYU, the shot, it was in the film, Mo Better Blues, and the character I played, Giant, had to walk down the block. We said, let's try this. So then Ernest and I made a deal that we cannot use this shot unless it moved the story forward. Otherwise, we just be like two former film students showing off. <laughs> so the first utilization where it really worked, where, where we looked, we just looked long and hard where it would work. The film was Malcolm X. And during the pre-production of Malcolm X, I got to know Malcolm's widow, the late great Dr. Betty Shabazz. And she told me that she felt that her husband, Malcolm X, knew he was going to be assassinated that day at the Audubon Ballroom in Harlem. That he knew, somehow thought that he had to be a martyr. So therefore, when she told me that, I tried to think of the mindset what would be his mindset knowing that you're going to your own assassination? So then I had to say, I always had this song, A Change to Come by saying, I have songs. Mm -hmm. I don't rip them out. I don't put my car on the table tool. I'm going to keep them in my back pocket so I, I know they're going to work. So I always had Sam Cooke's song, A Change to Come. So I said, oh shit. This is the time. Do that song down. <laughs> right. Then I said, this is where we put Denzel on the dolly. Uh, did it with Clive. What about this, what about the, the oh. part, almost the panels for the shot with, with uh, Ron and Patrice? Why there? Here's a story. What happened in Charlottesville, August 12th last year, Year Lord 2017, happened before we began Prince Photography. So, once I knew we were going to Charlottesville, I needed a shot to get us from the 70s to present day. And it fit. I mean, there was nowhere else, there was nowhere else to put it. And, and it was, it was, you know, one of the best, I think, uh, placement of a less shot because you needed something to make that 40 year jump hmm. from the 70s till, to, uh, till today. And that was one of the things my co-writer, Ken Wilmot, wanted to do. We wanted to make a contemporary period film. Mm. A film that, even before we, the Charlottesville happened, we wanted to do something, you know, language, slogans, that would, the, the audience would make the, the, the connection between what, what happened there is still happening today. And I do hope that everyone's seen this film. If you understand what you saw, it's not something that's particular United States of America. You know nobody here, you know nobody here with Brexit. There is impending friends all over, I think, in the world. There's a, a rise of, of the, the right being led by Agent Orange. 
I don't say his name. So I want to always think about, is this happening where you live? Because this film is being released uh, globally, and it's not just something that's uh, particularly United States of America. I'm going to go to one more Twitter, and then I might go out to you guys. So this is an interesting one from C.F. Stewartson. She says, with a platform as wide and influential as film, what's your take on those who refuse to be political? So who refuse to use it for political thing? Here's the thing. If you're an artist, this, again, everything I say is my opinion. I'm not speaking on behalf of 45 million Negroes, 45 million African Americans, not at all. If you're an artist and you make the choice, you not include politics in that art. That's a political choice in itself. Just like you made, we're not going to have politics in it. Mm. So it, it's politics in it, mm. whether you want it or not. Mm. And if you think about, if I think about your career, so She's Gotta Have It Came, it was a, it was a romantic comedy that did speak very, um, it told a new story about gender politics at the time. And since then, and Do the Right Thing On, you have, you have really chronicled a certain type of political journey for African-American people. It seems to be quite pointedly. Was there a moment when you said, you know what, I have to do this, I have to tell the story of what's happening with my people in a much more political way, rather than, mind you, I think she's got to have it now at this end. But I'm just wondering whether there was a, kind of, there was a choice where you said, no, this is the reason I'm going to stand in. It wasn't the choice, it's just, I know I want to be a filmmaker. Hmm. I knew my favorite filmmakers are storytellers. I want to tell stories and I want to, you know, at least start out telling stories of the African-American experience. But I do think that, I mean, I've done films that, which I love doing films like 20th Hour, films like Summer Sand, which really did not involve, you know, the American, African, totally African-American experience. So I'm not averse to, uh, you know, telling this story is not, the bedrock is about African-Americans. Hmm. Have you guys got questions? One down here. Yeah. We're going to wait for the mic. Just one second. Can I ask you a favor, actually? Do you mind? Could you kind of stand in the light a little bit? Come into the light. Come into the light. <laughs> in the light. That's right. Great. Thank you. Hey, Spike. Thanks for this movie. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Um, Birth of a Nation. So you, 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 you mentioned how you... Uh, studied at NYU, and I think you made a short film about a black filmmaker remaking yeah, The first film called The Answer, about a young black filmmaker who is uh, hired to write and direct a remake, a big Hollywood remake of the film. So you but have... Faculty, the fact did not like it. <laughs> but as, as a student of film, anyone studying film, um, but also anyone kind of who can understand anything about, about the representation of um, ethnicity on, on film, that like you can see it's a racist piece of work, but then also you can see that it's an important film in terms of filmmakers. as you were saying about cross-cutting. Is it possible to both analyse it? Yes. <laughs> how, do, uh, yeah, how do you I mean, that? How do you look at it? Let me answer the question, sir. I have never ever said that birth nation should not be seen. I just think we should talk about it. I'm not one of these people who said that uh, one of the great American novels, Huckleberry Finn, should not be seen because of the word, the N-word. Or Harper Lee's 
to kill a mockingbird because of N-word. Listen, I'm not about banning stuff, but we should have a, a discussion. And so people, especially people who know nothing about it, has some type of background we could put, has some subtext to it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Right, just on that, um, Birth of a Nation, as you said, did incite people to violence when it came out. Um, so that clearly film does have... Can we use a different word for violence? Yeah. What would you... Red, white, and blue apple pie, homegrown American terrorism. <laughs> These hate groups are terrorists. You know, we don't have to, you know, ice and all, I mean, we're, we're our own terrorists. You think about the school shooting that take place. I mean, it, it is, and, and, and the thing in, in this country, the, the guns that are in America, and the gangster lobby of the NRA with the gun manufacturers and politicians, you know, every time there's a school, a school shooting, you would think that young children being murdered, shot down, there's like two days or more, and then like after that, two days back to business. Because mm. they gotta make money. Mm. So it's, uh, that's a big thing, I think, that this, this next presidential election has to really talk about, you know, sensible gun laws. There's no reason in the world why anyone should be able to buy a semi-automatic rifle. Why you have a I mean, that's my throw your pump with those. What about, what about the, the other weapon, if you like, which is, you know, going back to both of the nation's power to create, incite people or create a landscape for that kind of terrorism to happen. Film has that power. Does that worry you when you're out making film? Do you ever think, what could my work do? Or, you know what I mean? Is that something that, that you're aware of? It's creating? You know, I've discussed with Martin Scorsese, you know, with, with Travis Bickle. Mm. Guys saw the film, was it with Travis Reagan, was he trying to assassinate? And blamed him on the film. So, I'm known for a very early age, even before I want to be a filmmaker, the influence of, of film. But I remember when Bruce Lee's films came out, Into the Dragon, Five Things Death, we go see those movies. On 42nd Street, when was 42nd Street before it became Disneyland back in the day? And you had 5,000 kids come out of theaters doing flying kicks and <laughs> knocking themselves out by accident with the new chunks because they didn't know them. <laughs> That's when it dawned on me like, man, these people are doing this because we just saw this movie. Right. So does it work? I mean, how do you, how do you handle that weight of responsibility as a filmmaker? It's a big responsibility. You have to know going in that this is nothing to play with. Mm. It's not be played with mm. because uh, you just have to be careful and, and responsible. <laughs> okay, another question. Shall we go on this side? I want in the light. In the light. We may have time for questions afterwards. Someone down here, send me in the light. Thank you. This film, I'm a Democratic voter. I live in London from Laramie, Wyoming. 
this film was my backyard, you know, in Colorado, but it, it just... From the militia, huh? What? Well, I'm going to give you after, I'm going to give you a Democrats Abroad card, because Democrats around the world are, are, are working to do something about the situation over there. Cool. And get out the vote and get people registered. No, we have to read a bit. You know, I, I, not to cut you off, I'll let you answer your question, ask your question, but over the years, every, every filmmaker, every director gets asked, so, what is the takeaway? What do you want audience to think? And I refrain for years of doing that. But for this one, I'm saying people need to register to vote. Specifically, United States Mayor. The midterm is coming up in November. Two years after that is a president election. We gotta become mobilized. And I just think that, I just hope this film might get somebody a little push to get out, take the time to register to vote for this midterm elections coming up in November. Great, yes. and, and expats around the world are considered the 51st state. So we're doing- How many, are, do you know how many there are? Well, um, the British chapter of Democrats Abroad is, it, with the Canadian one of the two biggest, there's hundreds and hundreds of thousands. We can sway elections. We can switch elections. Answer your question. Answer your question. Well, well I, can I ask you a question? <laughs> yeah. I think this lady has. So, what do they call the 51st state? The 51st state. So, let me ask a question. So, what does Putin think about the 51st state? <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole nother piece of drama. Do you, is it something that just. Does he know about the. Does Putin know about the 51st state? <laughs> or he missed that one? He's <laughs> mad because he's watching this. He might. But my, my, my question, you know. We don't think of places like Colorado as being clan places. I mean, traditionally, I mean, oh, the clan is... That's true. The great Northwest has been a, a, a hotbed of the militia. Oregon, uh, Washington, Idaho, Colorado. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I mean... And you'd hear about it, but... <laughs> yeah, it, 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 I mean, I, I, I didn't grow up in Laramie. I went there to do historical research, got, sort of got, I love the mountains. But um, my friend Kathy from Minneapolis, African-American woman, came out to visit me and said that she did not feel comfortable walking around Laramie. Where? In, in, in Laramie, Wyoming, which is a nice little university town. But she didn't feel comfortable, and we... Maybe there's a reason for it. Yeah, and so this film, this sense, this, you know, I mean, I knew why she said she didn't feel comfortable, but it was something that she could sense in the air, and I couldn't, and I, you know... Not, not, not maybe with the standard to say. Yeah. Do, do you have a question? I have a situation. There's places that I don't feel comfortable with. Is there a question or...? Well, just that, that what's, you know, the American West that we don't think of as places that somebody would... It, it just, just this film... But well, here's the thing, though. Go. Can I just say something? Yeah. The American West? Isn't that where the majority of the... The Native American concentrate, concentration camps are? I don't call them reservations. I call them concentration camps. So there's a lot of blood in the land talking about Native Americans who got pushed the Trail of Tears 
from one end of the United States to the other. And and we talk we talk about that's why I never loved Western films. I'm not a fan of hold on. I'm not a fan of John Wayne. Fuck him. And, and, and John Ford. Their films, their demonization of Native Americans is criminal. And this goes back to what this film is about because we. I'm not up here, again, these are all my feelings, not anybody else's, but the United States of America, in order for us to move forward, we got to get to the basic. And the basic is the United States of America, the foundation of the United States of America is the genocide of Native people and slavery. That's it. The land was stolen, and my ancestors were stolen from all Africa to work the land. And so anytime people start talking about the founding fathers, the founding fathers owned slaves. George Washington owned slaves. Thomas Jefferson and Sally Hemings, they say Sally Hemings might have been another 13 years old. So there's a, I don't see how we can move forward unless we come to grips. A lot of people still feel the Civil War is not over. You know, the, people forget. Charlottesville, the big thing was they chose Charlottesville because they were talking about taking down the statue of Robert E. Lee from the Confederacy. Spike, I think we're going to have to wrap up on the national, okay. but we can continue. Don't, but I, sorry, I, national guys. This is going to be the but, um, I got to go. But I think... <laughs> I got some people to meet. You got to hang out. We have a couple drinks. Our family's going to get together. <laughs> and that's it. That sounds good to me. So anyway, thanks Spike. Thank, Thank you so much for making this. Thank you so much for coming here and bringing your wisdom Thank you, everyone. Uh, and your knowledge here. Thank you so much for Break your... the word. <laughs> <laughs>